You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. everybody welcome back to circling seattle sports on converge media of course as always i'm your host here with you live in the studio at the black media Matters studio uh charles hammaker here with you uh the off seasons continue luckily we don't have any coach firings to deal with any sort of that things we do have progress on a potential new seahawks coach we've got a new rumored deal that's finally been completed uh, or so that we've been told and should be uh, having that player signing arrive in a few days. I'm sure if you have been following our Sounders coverage, you know what we're talking about there. Following the Kraken's eight-game winning streak, they're currently on a four-game losing streak, so if they're, not, they're nothing but not consistent as of late. Uh, the Reign made a couple re-signings of players as they approached their preseason as well. Um, we've got a few other names uh, around the sports teams in the city. Professionally, the Mariners made some big international signings as the international prospect pool continues to build there. Uh, so we'll start, as we always do, uh, with our Seattle Seahawks, who uh, were finally able to begin the interviews with respective offensive and defensive coordinators uh, as they look to find their new head coach after the dismissal of Pete Carroll. Um, so the team completed eight uh, interviews over the first round uh, of um, the potential window. Uh, obviously, Dan Quinn is a familiar name amongst the Seattle fan base, considering his time here in Seattle as a defensive coordinator, you know, helped lead the Atlanta Falcons to a Super Bowl, uh, the one that they lost to the New England Patriots in dramatic fashion, um, and has recently spent some time with the Dallas Cowboys as their defensive coordinator, Dallas most recently getting knocked out of the playoffs uh, by the Green Bay Packers. Miami Dolphins offensive coordinator Frank Smith. Frank Smith is a guy who came over to help lead the offense in Miami um, with Mike McDaniel. Uh, their offense has performed really well over the last few years. Carolina Panthers defensive coordinator uh, Isro Evero has gotten a, uh, some attention as well around the league, and he's kind of viewed as a sweeper, a sleeper. Pardon me. Uh, the person you see on your screen is Los Angeles Rams defensive coordinator Raheem Morris. Bobby Wagner, uh, in being asked about his potential candidacy for a head coach around the league, not specifically about the Seahawks, uh, gave him his endorsement after Wagner spent one season with him. New York Giants offensive coordinator Mike Kafka, who used to be a quarterback actually in the NFL for a bit, uh, a longtime backup quarterback, uh, was a finalist for the Cardinals head coaching job last season, uh, was an uh, interview. Uh, defensive uh, Detroit Lions offensive coordinator Ben Johnson was interviewed. He's been a popular pick around the league as well. The Lions obviously having some success reaching the NFC Championship game this year. Uh, he's been popular around circles. Houston Texans offensive coordinator Bobby Slowick uh, was somebody interviewed. And then the last one of the eight Las Vegas Raiders defensive coordinator Patrick Graham. Um, only five of those eight first round candidates were given a second interview with the team. Uh, everybody uh, it was Quinn, Graham, Evero, Morris and Kafka. So Ben Johnson's kind of surprisingly did not get a second interview with the Seahawks. Slowick did not get one. Um, so kind of interesting there to see 
Johnson, I was a little surprised just given the success that he's seen with the Lions. Um, I know last week we talked about it. Mike Holmgren told John Schneider to go after an offensive mind, so he would have been at the top of that list. A lot of people are looking at Ravens defensive coordinator Mike McDonald, uh, but he hasn't done any interviews at all, so it, uh, they might wait. They'll, well, have to wait now um, until the offseason to interview him. Uh, he's been a strong candidate considering how good the Ravens defense has been this year uh, and just has really has schemed really well. So, in addition, though, to the head coaching job, the Seahawks will need to look for a new offensive coordinator as well. We just talked about some of the offensive minds um, because Shane Waldron, who was a Seahawks offensive coordinator under Pete Carroll, uh, is working on signing a deal with Chicago Bears to take the same position. So head coach, you know, you'll need to fill that position. You'll need to fill the offensive coordinator position, as well as the fact that John Schneider has said that the team doesn't plan on rebuilding. So, you know, you're going to have to stay competitive. You're going to have to bring a few guys back. Jordan Brooks, Leonard Williams. There are some contract decisions to be made. So it's safe to say it's going to be a really busy offseason for John Schneider and the Seahawks team. And, of course, as always, we will be able to keep you up to date with that, whether it's every week here on Circling Seattle Sports on Converge Media or, you know, through our social media posts. And I will drop this in there just so you're able to keep up to date on that. So, that's what we've got for the Seahawks right now. Uh, if you've been following the NFL world, you'll know that the Lions and the 49ers will play in the NFC Championship game, and the Chiefs and the Ravens will be playing in the AFC Championship game. So um, if you're going to ask me for my pick, it's anybody but the Niners. I just would not want to deal with that. It would be really cool to see the Lions win a Super Bowl. I know my buddy Ever Fitzhugh would really enjoy that. Uh, the Ravens' defense has been incredible. Lamar Jackson should win MVP. So, I mean, it's, I, I, I also would prefer to not see the Chiefs win a Super Bowl again. So, anyway, that's kind of the, the null point. Uh, we'll probably have some more news on the second interviews from those five candidates um, that the Seahawks will be looking at. It's going to be interesting to see how much traction Quinn continues to get as he's gotten a few second interviews around the league as well outside of the Seahawks. So a reminder as well that all of these are virtual. The teams can't meet in person until the offseason officially begins after the Super Bowl. So we go from the Seahawks there and all that sort of coaching carousel kind of things. This has been one of the slower, um, you know, off seasons in terms of coaching uh, changes already in quite some time, which is unique. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how the Seahawks play out and how they make their decisions ultimately to find a new head coach. But we go over to the Mariners here, and their offseason is quiet per se, which um, we've gone through that. But, you know, these sort of uh, headlines that we're going to go over always look more towards the future of the franchise that we'll see down the road. You think about Julio Rodriguez and his rise to stardom. He came from something like this with the international prospect pool. So uh, we go over here on January 15th. The team welcomed 10 new players on international prospect signing day. Uh, shortstop Dowell Joseph is the biggest name of this group. He was uh, somebody that was really um, sticking out in terms of the international prospect pool and somebody that the Mariners had their eye on for quite some time. Um, I believe seven of these players, no, eight of these players are from the Dominican Republic. Uh, as you can see on your screen there, shortstop Leandro Romero, catcher Gabriel Guanches, right-handed pitcher Anderson Jimenez, uh, infielder slash outfielder Diori Castillo, outfielder Manuel de Cesar, catcher Manuel Baez, shortstop Zeus Nunez, uh, left-handed pitcher Eliezer Orbe, and right-handed pitcher David Pena. So, you know, it, it, and, and don't be too concerned seeing a few shortstop on here. You know, obviously, you don't imagine that. 
Uh, some of these players might stay strictly at one position. Uh, Julio, you know, didn't always play center field, and you can see where he's at now. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But um, it's interesting, you know, to look at the international signing day uh, with these prospects and realize, you know, there are a few years away. They likely won't spend, you know, immediate time in the minors. It's just not realistic. Um, but this could be very well the future of the franchise in a lot of regards with, you know, Julio obviously coming through that. He's the big example to look for with international signing. Um, but, you know, this changes a lot of these guys' lives. You know, these guys coming out of the Dominican Republic, uh, two of them from Venezuela. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see how these players come up through the prospect pool, whether it's, you know, through the Modesto Nuts, the Everdaco Sox, Arkansas, and then eventually Tacoma when they're knocking on the door, you know, to the big leagues with the Mariners. But it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, the the Dominican uh, Summer League take place and kind of keeping track of those. And we do all of that as I'll switch over this on CSS Futures. So you'll want to look down at that as well. That's what we've got for the Mariners. Things have been quiet. We don't have any signings. There's still a bunch of free agents um, currently available on the market. The Mariners have been rumored to be interested in court, uh, Cody Bellinger. I don't imagine considering the budget that they've been working with that that's realistic unless Bellinger wants to take less money same thing um with Snell uh, I just don't think that's realistic as well you know it'd be really cool to have Blake Snell here considering you know how big of a Seattleite he's been um and a proponent of Seattle that he's been but again with the money that he's asking for and the money that the Mariners have in terms of a budget and that they're working with it doesn't seem realistic unless he's going to take some sort of pay cut so um that's what we've got for Mariners news. We do finally have some storm related news. It's been a few weeks, you know, the off season still kind of creeps along. We're slowly approaching free agency um, and getting through that period. And the draft is a little bit later as well. Uh, but we do have some news um, regarding, you know, at least maybe one potential player coming back. On the 16th, the team extended a qualifying offer to forward Joiner Holmes. Holmes signed a contract through the rest of the season with the Storm on June 3rd this past year. It was technically her second stint with the Storm. Uh, Holmes had been brought in in the draft uh, by Seattle and but didn't stick and has been with four other teams before coming to Seattle. It was a funny occurrence because Holmes was with the Sparks this season and played a game against the Storm. And then a few days later, she was put on waivers and the Storm brought her in. So it was kind of a funny turnaround. Um, you know, as a forward, you know, she brings some good versatility offensively, can stretch the floor a little bit, can shoot the three ball, uh, provide some length defensively uh, for this Storm team which, you know, helps Seattle throughout the season wanted to talk about being a good defensive team, you know, defense turning into offense. That was something that we heard throughout the course of the season as media, whether it was from Coach Quinn, from Jewel Lloyd, from, again, most of this team. Um, she showed some good flashes uh, after signing with the Storm, kind of saw her minutes go down uh, as the season went on, and you saw some other players get increased minutes uh, with uh, a few of the other players like Ivana Dojkic leaving, Gabby Williams being hurt. There was, you know, roster shuffling was was wild for the Storm last season, obviously, in that, uh, that year. But she showed some flashes. She showed some really good flashes. It was great to see that versatility offensively for a Storm team that, you know, if Jewel Lloyd wasn't going offensively, they relatively struggled for most games. Um, so having different options, having the ability to look different places for offense was great. Uh, it'll be very unique to see. I talked to a few folks 
in the Storm press court to see if she's able to carve her way into a, a spot, a real spot this year with this team. Obviously, uh, you know, the Storm have a few players they need to add to be a competitive playoff team this year. But they have, you know, I've been very positive and very optimistic about the Storm roster. Really liked what Jordan Horson brought as a rookie defensively and on the offensive end as she gained confidence throughout the course of the year. We know how great Jewel Lloyd is and what she's able to bring. Ezie Magbagor continues to take steps forward. You know, you're going to have Sammy Wood come back. The impact she brings offensively, uh, the veteran mindset that she's able to bring. Kia Nurse, we saw her and what she's able to bring as a scorer. You know, so it's going to be very, I really like what I saw from Jade Melbourne as well. And as we'll talk about uh, Melbourne, sorry. Uh, we'll talk about her in a second as well. Um, so, I saw positive flashes. Obviously, you're going to need to add some veterans, going to need to add, you know, some bigger names uh, if you're going to be com uh, more competitive this year. But I, I have hope. I have hope and I have optimism. So we'll go from there. Uh, we do have some news regarding international play uh, for some of our Storm players here. Three current Storm players and one former uh, were named to Australia's Olympic qualification squad. Ezzy Magbogor, Sammy Whitcomb, uh, Jade Melbourne, and storm legend lauren jackson it's incredible to see that she's still playing um we're all named to australia's squad that will be trying to qualify for the olympics that will be really fun to see um that tournament is going to be in brazil next month uh so the seven consulting opals will take on germany serbia and brazil next month so it'll be interesting to see the opals um as they go to battle there um I know that former Storm player uh, Steph Talbot was in some of the rosters leading into this squad being named, uh, but she did not ultimately end up making uh, the final roster here that these former Storm players did. So from that, we also got one more uh, January 22nd this morning. Guard Jewel Lloyd was named to USA Women's Basketball's February training camp roster. It's a three-day camp taking place in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, former Storm players Brianna Stewart, well, former Storm player Brianna Stewart, I was hoping that one day Kelsey Plum would be a Storm player, but uh, former Washington Husky Kelsey Plum was also named this roster as well. So, I mean, obviously, considering the, the year that Jewel Lloyd has and the talent that Jewel Lloyd has, the skill year in and year out makes sense to see that as well. So, that's what we've got in terms of Storm related news. It's not a ton to go over uh, and a ton to go off of. You'd like to get more. I'm really looking forward to free agency and talking about that leading into this 2024 season. Looking forward to the new team's training facility in Interbay as well. Hopefully sooner rather than later, uh, we're able to go and, and take a look at that and show you guys that. But that's what we've got for now. Again, of course, as always, as we get news, you'll want to follow us all everywhere just so you can get this news in real time. And then obviously we talk about it every Monday here on Circling Salesforce on Converge Media. So that's what we've got for storm-related news. Um... I don't know how to qualify this Sounders week uh, because we've got some smaller bits and pieces. We'll start with the big one. Um, on January 21st, we got a report from Sounder at Heart's Jeremiah Oshan uh, that Pedro De La Vega's signing is now totally complete, and he's due to be in Seattle on Tuesday to meet with the team. That is tomorrow. So uh, the team has a few days of training before they leave for Spain for their preseason camp. Uh, so it's nice to have him be able to come here. I know there was a minor injury that he suffered in Argentina's camp. Um, so be, being able to have him here 
and meet the team and then go to them with that trip in Spain should be good as obviously you'd like to get that chemistry, that bonding going before we get to the real season happening. Uh, and De La Vega should be an exciting sighting. You know, obviously there's all been this talk about him leading into the year. Uh, and over the last few weeks, ever since we had, well, even before the Sounders end of the season press conference. Uh, so that's, that's something that's going to be fun to see. Uh, and I'm excited to, to get guys out to training so we can cover that. Speaking of covering that, uh, our guy, Rio Giancarlo, uh, our, one of our photographers here at Circling Seattle Sports, was down at the training uh, the other day uh, to get some of these photos. So I wanted to just show that off there so you can see some of the photos. It's also really cool. And I know I've got the throwback hat here. Uh, i got to get some of the newer merch there as well um, to see the new crest in action. Whether I, I know it's just the training uh, training wear that they've got on in these, but it's still very exciting to see. Uh, Alvaro Resnack's been an exciting piece of training early on. Seeing him play in more of a natural position after you know the last few years he's been kind of stuck out of position has been good to see, and I imagine he's going to have a good year this year with the Sounders, You know, even though some of the fan base doesn't like him. Uh, nice to see Christian rolled on, and uh, well, that's Alex rolled on. I apologize. And Jao Paulo, Jao Paulo can only talk about how excellent he's been throughout the years for Seattle after signing here. Um, Alex rolled on, obviously signing an extension this offseason as well. Uh, and then just a few more here. Uh, you see Russ Knack. You can see, I think it's Jordan Morris in there, Jao Paulo. So shout out to our guy Rio for that. Um, in. Other news on January 15th, Nuhu did not play in Cameroon's AFCON opener, unfortunately. So hopefully we'll uh, maybe see Nuhu back sooner rather than later. We'll see on that. That's what we've got here um, for Sounders. They do have training the next few days. They've got training today, uh, tomorrow, and uh, to be determined Wednesday. But then the players will de depart for Marbella, Spain on the 25th of this month and then be gone. They'll play some friendlies in Spain, uh, get some game action in there. So it'll be exciting to, to see that as well. So uh, we go from our Sounders related news over to the Kraken. And like I said, at the top of the show, not doing too hot uh, as of recently, our Kraken, uh, you know, that six game road trip, the first three games, good. You push the winning streak really high. Um, Oh, wait, it might have been a nine-game winning streak. I apologize. Wait, let me double-check that nine-game winning streak. Yeah, pretty sure it was nine. Yep, nine-game winning streak. I apologize. That's my fault. I uh, got things mixed up there. So, yeah, that stopped on the last three games of the road trip here. Losing uh, last Monday to the Pittsburgh Penguins, as we were talking to you here recording last week, uh, getting shut out 3 nothing. Seattle really wasn't able to generate much of anything in this game. Uh, a couple mistakes defensively ended up playing a factor into this one as Pittsburgh took advantage of that and, and good on them for doing so. Made it tough on Joey Decord to do much of anything against them. I mean, really can't blame him on on either of the two ones. And then Pittsburgh got one um, on the empty net there. So just a tough one. And obviously with shutouts, we don't give out players at the game. Uh, the next day, so that, that was the first game of back-to-back, -back and Seattle was already banged up, and we'll talk about that here in a second. Uh, against the New York Rangers, one of the best teams in the East. Seattle really couldn't do much uh, going on, get much going on. In that one, uh, as a whole, I mean, they were able to get two goals. Jordan Eberle is our player of the game. Uh, he scored one of them, one goal, one assist, two points, and three shots on the day. Jared McCann had the other one on a power play late into this one when it really was too far out of reach. 
Um, you just the banged up Kraken team that we'll talk about here in a second couldn't do too much against the East. You know, obviously you'd think that if they'd had a full roster, they could, and I, I imagine that they would. Um, but ultimately that wasn't the case. Then uh, a few days off after that back-to-back and to wrap up the road trip against the Pacific Division rival and the Edmonton Oilers, this game was tight. Uh, the Kraken played the Oilers pretty tight. Uh, an old empty net goal here at the end kind of wraps things up. Um, but Seattle ultimately not able to keep up enough. Uh, still banged up, still dealing with injuries, and ultimately it results in the loss. Um to Edmonton. I went again with our player of the game on Jared McCann. You know, I could, I almost went with Jordan Everly in this one as well. Um, but McCann in this one, one goal, one plus minus three shots and a 60% face off win percentage with the injuries, um, with some of the stuff that the Kraken have been dealing with over the past few weeks, even uh, McCann has been stepping into the center role, something that he has done a little bit uh, throughout the course of his career, but not a ton. Um, but he's, you know, just having him step up in that regard is is pretty big in and of itself. So pretty sure it was an empty net goal. No, uh, it's a power play goal late. Sorry. So, yeah, still, I mean, kept things pretty close late into the game. Uh, a, yeah, power play goal late, finished things off. There was a, a bit of roughness and festivities late that we'll address here in a second after we go over uh, the last game of the week and our player of the week, uh, and it ultimately left Seattle without another key player going into the first game of a four-game homestand in the fourth game of the current losing streak. Uh, Seattle came back to Climate Pledge Arena yesterday, Sunday, January 21st, losing to the Toronto Maple Leafs by a score up 3-1. to one. Uh, Toronto got the empty net goal late. Seattle, kind of the same story uh, as the other few games, ultimately wasn't able to do enough on the offensive end with a banged-up team um, to compete with one of the better teams in the entire league uh, against Toronto. Toronto was coming off of the second game. Well, Toronto was in the second game of a back-to-back. They had played Vancouver the night before, uh, but was ultimately not able to take advantage of that. There were a bunch of different opportunities for Seattle to get on the board. Ilya Sensenov, uh, Samsonov, who's struggled this year for most of the season, played pretty good. So even when Seattle got opportunities and got shots on goal against Samsonov, he was in the right place at the right time. So it just things not going their way. Uh, a couple mistakes defensively for the Kraken gives Toronto their two goals. And we're sitting here looking at a four-game losing streak now. Uh, this game included some festivities as well, but none that have resulted in suspensions so far. Um, Connor Timmons of the Toronto Maple Leafs did receive the maximum fine um, allowed for a hit that sent Brandon Tanev into the end boards. It was a pretty bad hit, uh, and it resulted in this melee that you can see on your screen as captured by a photographer on site, Rio Giancarlo. Uh, our player of the game in this one, goaltender Joey Decord. Joey, 23 saves and an I-20 save percentage. Joey's still big in this one, even though the offense is struggling even though the team is without several key players, Decord just you know continues to keep his team in the game and continues to have a great season. So, our player of the game, you could have gone with Joey. I feel like if we go with Joey week, it's going to get every week. It's going to get boring. Uh, I went with Jordan Everly. Jordan Everly, uh, a guy that is dealing with some of the stuff that's happening. That again, we'll talk about here in a second. Uh, but was able didn't miss any of the games over the past week. Uh, which included four games, two goals, two assists, four points, five shots, and one block. Um, 
him and that McCann and Tatar line has been great. And that was the only line that changed, uh, stayed consistent last night in that loss against Toronto as there was a bunch of line movement uh, with all of the injuries and such. So in case you're not aware, Kraken are dealing with a few injuries. Uh, I think we might have talked about it last week before the game against the Penguins, uh, but the team was without Andre Burakovsky and Matty Beniers, and Vince Dunn was listed um, out as well without an injury designation. Matty Beniers would be placed on injury reserve that day um, with an I think I don't think it that was designated either. So we but we believe it's an upper body injury considering the hit that he took from Cole Sillinger in the loss uh no in the win over Columbus during the road trip. Uh, we haven't seen Maddie on the ice. He was around the locker room yesterday, uh, but he just popped in quick in and out uh two days ago. I apologize. Um, but that was all we've seen of him. He hasn't been skating. Uh, I didn't see him yesterday in morning skate, uh, even in the locker room. So hoping he's back quicker. Um, as opposed to a long-term um, outage. And B- Andre Burakovsky did return in the loss to Edmonton. So he's back, which is nice. You know, <laughs> just the injuries, man. Whether it's with this team, you know, Berkey's had his bad luck with injuries as well. And then Vince Dunn. So Vince Dunn hasn't been given an official designation either. He was practicing out in full gear uh, ahead of the team's practice on Saturday. Uh, he was kind of not using his left hand. And I imagine that's, you know, if we're going to speculate, it's part of the job. Uh, if we're going to speculate, I believe it's a left hand injury because um, everything else he skated pretty normally, but he just abu- avoided using his left hand. And, you know, considering the fight that he got in with Cole Sillinger trying to defend Matty Veneers after that hit that I just mentioned he took against Columbus, it makes a ton of sense. So I, I, it'll be interesting to see what's going on with that hand. Um, Dave Haxel, when he talked about Dunn, sounded more optimistic than you know pessimistic about the injury, um, and he he skated pretty well ahead of the practice on Saturday. He didn't practice at all, didn't see him at all on the ice on Sunday though. Um, whether it was ahead of morning skate or for morning skate, so that'll be something to keep an eye on as well. A few players have been dealing with an illness that's been going around the locker room. Uh, that in the illness took Adam Larson out for the rest of the game during the road, uh, one of the games during the road trip. Uh, Jaden Schwartz and Jordan Eberly were dealing with it, but both of them still played yesterday against the Maple Leafs. Kyler Yamamoto did not. He was a scratch, but we believe he's dealing with that illness as well. When asked about it yesterday in morning skate, Dave Haxel said they're not quite home free yet from that. So that's dealing with the locker room. So you've got guys that are legitimately hurt physically. You've got guys dealing with illness. Uh, it's, it's not great. It's not great, uh, for the Kraken right now, as they continue the skid, as we are just four Chicago, Columbus, St. Louis, San Jose hour, four games ahead of the all-star break. So you're hoping to get healthy. Um, and you've got a few teams who have been struggling ahead of you to potentially be able to do that. So, um, the only thing we've got here, excuse me, in the team related news section, is that for John Hayden uh, was recalled from the HL Coachella Valley Firebirds as a corresponding move to Matty Beneers being placed um, on injured reserve. Otherwise, um, it's around that time of the year where we get to the Seattle Sports uh, Star of the Year awards put on by the Seattle Sports Commission. Every year, Seattle Sports uh, Commission puts together nominees for different awards, specifically in the categories of the, you know, 
men's sports star of the year, women's sports star of the year, and the sports story of the year. Uh, now, the Kraken had two different nominees in the two different votes. Many Beniers was uh, as a nominee for the men's sports star of the year for his Calder uh, Trophy winning campaign. Um, and the Kraken as a whole from last year's group that went into the playoffs, took the Dallas Stars in round two all the way to game seven, are nominated for the sports story of the year. On Saturday, after practice, we caught up with Philip Grubauer, who was obviously big uh, throughout the playoff run and throughout the course of the season for that playoff team, and alternate captain Yanni Gord, um, who, again, an another big impact player, uh, to talk about that and what it really means for this Kraken team um, to be nominated for this award. So we'll go to those two videos right now. Yeah, I mean, you saw from Yanni. So it's the last day of the public vote for the Seattle Sports Star of the Year Awards. As I mentioned, Sports Star of the Year, the Kraken, uh, last year's team nominated for that award, along with four other nominees. Uh, Matty Beniers for his Calder Trophy winning campaign last year is nominated for the Men's Sports Star of the Year Award. Again, four other uh, nominees as well. And then the Women's Sports Star of the Year Awards. Um, one of them is in the rain segment that we'll talk about here in a second. Um, but so that ends today. Um, so by the time you're watching this, once you're done with it, or I mean, if you've got access to a second screen, of course, seattlesports.org, as Yanni just said, and they did the little extended his arms thing. Uh, God bless him. <laughs> um, oh, I totally forgot. He's suspended for two games. <laughs> so you saw that happy smile. Yeah, he he uh, got suspended for two games for a charging hit in that Edmonton game that was a little funky. Uh, sport Seattle's fans are a little upset. And I think it's more because of the fact that Yanni's suspension came so quickly as it compared to when Kraken players have been hit dirty this season. The suspension's kind of... The, the ruling from the league has dragged on and it hasn't necessarily been fair compared to other hits around the league so funny way to follow up yanni there uh still he's 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 awesome um but yes seattlesports.org you'll be able to vote there it's the final day of the public vote so get those votes in um otherwise that will wrap up our crack and segment we go over to the next three games here of the next week uh all three of them will help wrap up a homestand before one road game the following week before the all-star break so uh next week starting uh, January 24th versus the Chicago Blackhawks. That game uh, at Climate Pledge Arena, 7 o'clock start time. It is on uh, TNT and Max, so we're not on route that game, so be aware of that for your streaming purposes. Uh, the Kraken now sit at a 19-win, 18-loss, 9-overtime-loss record, 6th uh, in the Pacific Division, falling behind Edmonton and behind Calgary at the moment with 47 points. Uh, after that, on Friday, January 26th, they will play the St. Louis Blues at 7 o'clock Pacific time. And then to wrap things up on Sunday, they will host Cole Sillinger, who the Kraken got into a fight with, more specifically Vince Dunn, um, and the Columbus Blue Jackets on the 28th uh, with a 6 p.m. puck drop. So three teams that have relatively struggled this year so far. Um, they still got talent, so don't fall into that trap. But definitely teams that as you're a, a roster that's ailing from injury and illness, uh, you can hopefully be able to take advantage of and get yourself back in the win column ahead of the All-Star break. We shift over to Lorraine, and I apologize. I don't have a, a hat for Lorraine yet because none of the merch is back out yet. 
I don't I didn't have a hat of the old OG logo. Um, so you get to see the Chrome Dome uh, for this segment. So we go over to the rain here. You know, we're still in the off season. We're still working our way towards preseason as well. I believe NWSL teams can start their preseason uh, this upcoming week, actually, uh, which is exciting. But we've got a few different pieces of news. and We've got some some rumors. Well, not so much rumors considering they came directly from general manager Leslie Galmore. Um, but a few important things. Uh, firstly, on the 17th of the month, the team officially re-signed forward Ziara King. There was rumors about it. There was hopes like, hey, when's Z back? Especially considering that she is now married to midfielder Jess Fishlock. Um we did get that confirmation on the 17th, um, re-signing her through the 2024 season. She was a restricted free agent uh, and now enters her fourth season with the Reign. Throughout her first three seasons with the club, King has appeared in 44 matches, tallying three goals, two assists, and 45 shots uh, in Challenge Cup play, which, if you remember, the Challenge Cup no longer exists as a tournament. It's just a game played between the Shield winner and the individual champion before the season, which is kind of interesting. Um, King had notched uh, one goal and two assists and 14 appearances in Challenge Cup play. So um, Galmore, in a, in a the press release from the rain, said that Z is still early in her career, and we know with continued investment, she can be a player who consistently impacts games on both sides of the ball. So Galmore obviously showing you know a lot of, hope to, for the future of what Z brings, you know, with the talented forward group that the Reign have had for the last few years, she's kind of got stuck on the depth chart. So it's exciting, obviously, to see her come back, you know, give, given the talent that she's got, you know, <laughs> selected eighth overall by the Utah Royals back in 2020 um, and be able to see that more uh, on display this season. So there was that news and we shift over that to a local the rain re-signed midfielder nikki stanton uh through the 2024 season as well uh announced on the 18th so a day later uh, stanton was an unrestricted free agent so it wasn't necessarily clear if she was coming back this year uh she's been in the league since 2014 spending the last two seasons with the rain uh, obviously it's exciting to have a hometown player come back uh born in north bend washington um she's a 10-year veteran now was traded to the rain from the red stars ahead of the 2022 season and since then has totaled 42 appearances across all competitions in nwsl play uh during this last year's regular season she made 15 appearances and recorded two assists which was tied for the second most on the team uh adding 31 duels one 11 interceptions and nine tackles one the midfielder also appeared in six games of Challenge Cup play, as we just talked about with the Challenge Cup, no longer exists as a tournament, totaling the third most minutes on the roster at 482. Um, in the press release from the club, uh, manager, general manager Leslie Galmore said that she provides a level of experience that we value, an offensive presence that positively impacts games, and an uplifting attitude that is infectious. So, that's specifically, you know, you talk about Nikki Stanton. Her defensive play is so strong. And in so many of the games where the rain really need to buck, needed to buckle down and close things out, they, were, they brought on Nikki late to help impact that. So there were those two moves, which is great. It's great as you fill out the roster. Obviously, you know, when Rose Lavelle and Emily Sonnet decided to sign with Gotham instead of coming back to the rain, um, that was a big blow and people were... Um, how do I say this nicely? A little overreactive about the club. They thought that the club was going to fold. Uh, we saw some comments about that, which was never going to happen. 
Uh, they were worried that this was not a roster that was going to compete. And it's still a really competitive roster. Mind you that, again, we love Rose Lavelle here. Rose only played a few matches this season. Um, Emily Sonnet is more who I'd be worried about losing, considering her defensive impact through the course of the entire year. Um, but I trust in Laura Harvey. I trust in Leslie Galmar. Speaking of which, the club is rumored to have three signings in the works as of this moment, one coming sooner rather than the other two. The other two will probably come throughout the course of the year. Uh, as they sound like two international players, uh, first reported by our friend Bella Munson. Um, so it'll be interesting to see with that. You know, everybody obviously worried again with with Lavelle and Sana not coming back. But it sounds like the club is working to bring in some some bigger name talent to help bolster this roster and keep it competitive in a league that continues to grow and continues to remain extremely competitive in the parity. It's just great. So um, in addition to that, uh, on the 19th, we got three straight days of rain news. Uh, the club announced that for the 2024 preseason, uh, beginning with players reporting to uh, the training grounds at Starfire uh, on Wednesday this week on the 24th, uh, after that, they'll travel to Newport Beach, California for training camp. Um, and then they'll later go on to Costa Rica to continue preseason training. Um, in a release from the, the team, Leslie Galmore, general manager, said that this time together away from market is key for the team and staff to be able to focus on setting the tone for the season. Uh, so obviously, I wanted to foster you know that winning mentality, <laughs> grow the, the bonds there and the chemistry. The team will train, and this is funny because it's in the official release from the club, in the warmer climate of Southern California through January 30th before departing to um, Costa Rica to continue preseason training. I don't know why I said it like that. Uh, <laughs> the rain will train at the facility of one of the most successful clubs from Costa Rica, uh, Liga Deportiva, um, until the 10th of February. So, Interesting. I know in past years they've trained down in California, so seeing uh, Costa Rica added is is fun as well. So that about wraps things up uh, for this week's episode of Circling Seattle Sports on Converge Media. Obviously, again, the Seahawks coaching search, I don't imagine it'll be done anytime soon. You know, we've got second interviews with five of those eight candidates uh, that the team got first interviews with. But, you know, there's still a few names. I know that there's uh, reports that the team is interested in speaking with Mike Vrabel. Uh, they haven't scheduled an interview yet. Um, you know, there's all that talk. The Mariners, you know, with there's a few more players, I believe, that are rumored to sign in the international signing uh, class. So we'll get to that next week. Uh, the Storm as well. I don't know how much stuff we'll be able to see over the next week. You know, again, obviously, with free agency slowly creeping towards us, uh, that'll be the big bang. But outside of that, uh, you know, we've got a, a little bit of a ways to go before the draft itself. So we've got some time there. Uh, with the Sounders, uh, we will likely in the next maybe even hours <laughs> see an official news uh, release from the Sounders about Pedro de la Vega, hopefully, uh, as they continue training. They got training today, but we didn't get news about that until right about until recording, so that didn't help too much. Um, the Kraken are looking to snap their four-game losing streak as they have three more games left in this four-game homestand and uh, five game, four games left until the All-Star break, uh, which leaks into the next week. The rain, you know, we might hear some more things uh, in the coming weeks about a potential signing, but obviously they'll report in a few days and then head down to California to begin their preseason as well. So exciting news all around, exciting to get into it. You know, we're slowly, slowly approaching spring and it's exciting as we look forward to 
that and how busy the spring will get for us. So until we see you next week, uh, what is that, the 29th of January? I get to the end of the month. Take care of yourselves. Be well and do whatever you can to make today a great day. I'll see you then. Media produces culturally relevant content for Black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.